Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. This is the Canna Mom Show with Joyce and Amy, a podcast where we are sharing the inspiring stories of the real women in the emerging cannabis industry. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, political activist, lawyer, and I've been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, and along with my Canna sister, mom, realtor, cancer survivor, Amy Searles, we are on a mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. So go make a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint and come learn something new about this magical plant on the Cannamon Show with Joyce and Amy. Welcome and good morning. We're back, the Cannamoms. Woo-hoo! All right. Woo-hoo. Welcome. That was a new intro. I don't know if anyone noticed. My son gave it to me for my birthday. Added some drum It's kind of hipper. It feels a little bit hipper. I love right. it. Thank I really like much. it. I know. Yeah, it and sounds got- great. It sounds very professional, and I love it. Professional, and I'm going to do some echo oh, music too. So, all right. Oh, good. Let's talk about our guest. <laughs> Today's guest is speaking with us this morning from Vermont, one of Amy's favorite favorite places, where yes. she learned about the cannabis industry from its numbers. After working for 10 years in the nonprofit sector, she then pivoted another eight years in manufacturing where she really learned about accounting. Then in 2015, she invested her time, her intelligence, in learning about the specificity of taxation in the cannabis industry. And there are so many issues in cannabis business taxation. 
and she is with us today to explain the complications of 280E, how to allocate cost of goods sold, and why CPAs are still not all that interested in cannabis accounting. Welcome to the Cannamom Show, Sharon Grimes of Accounting for Buds and Sharon Grimes Accounting. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well- Welcome. Yay. Thank you for having me this morning. <laughs> so we, we, before the show, we actually were talking about uh, a little bit Vermont, but we always do a little COVID check-in. So I know you have um, your daughter. Is she with you? Or is she in Vermont? Or is she around somewhere? And what are you doing up there? How are you hanging up? What are you doing? No, my, my daughter lives in Baltimore. So it's okay. just Vermont uh, with my dog and my cat. Life for us really doesn't change since I work from home and do a lot of my work online, uh, receive everything through the internet. And most of my talking has either been on the phone or through Zoom. So, it's- so this whole underground world of people have always worked at home. We're just <laughs> becoming more, we're becoming more apparent. Everyone's asking us how to do it. So what's going on with you, Dave, <laughs> out there? I know you're off mic now. Just, you know, you're part of the team. We want to know what's going on in your life. We care. We care. We care. <laughs> yes, things are good at the home studio of pod617.com. Still producing a lot of podcasts. We're going to start to launch some actual sort of virtual parties or trivia games or stuff because we're all pivoting, right? So we're, we're, I'll let you know about that. So pardon That's the plug fun. on the Canon Mom Show. Oh, no, we gave, a plug, but, um, we gave a plug to you yesterday when we did the bonk announcement. At the end, we said pod 617 it's not just podcast about cannabis moms they have lots of other stuff no. so check it out other it's stuff true. too it's true yeah. other stuff too although That's joyce great. you'll be interested you'll be interested to hear some pretty heartbreaking news they, they're really canceling summer camps across the board yeah, I know. Just, oh, yeah. just announced just announcing this week and oh, yeah. joyce since you and i went to same beloved camp it's just sad to think that they're going to miss a whole whole summer of that oh yeah my, my daughter's supposed to be a counselor and it's just been this weird waiting game yeah. And this is how oh, we have yeah. our yeah. whole our whole connection. We have our whole Jewish geography connection is always centered on Camp Tel Noah, just to give them a plug. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's nice. Yes. Okay. They could use a plug. I yeah. know. Aim, what's going on with you? Well, you know, nothing's really changed that much around here. I'm Brendan's still, you know, doing virtual school. His camps are all canceled. Actually, he's doing one virtual camp. You know, it's a computer camp. Um and that's about it. You know, we just did the bong from mong uh, thing yesterday, and that was so much fun. And uh, <laughs> we got outside; yeah. everyone wore masks. It was uh, yeah. It was just nice to see. You know, nice humans. to see people. Yeah, <laughs> nice to see humans. And you know, the dog is happy, so happy to be with me. And it's fun. Yeah. It's, ama- it's amazing what you can get used to. All right, uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about the normalization of cannabis business, Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're in accounting. We've talked to some other CPAs. I talk about the importance of professionalism in this industry, and it seems to be the women who are stepping up to do it. Um, so you want to just talk a little bit about your journey, about how you, why, you know, you could see the benefit of this and why, you know, in your industry, maybe a little bit different than other people saw it? Well, um, getting into it was kind of an unusual journey. Um, I am an enrolled agent and I have to take continuing education credit hours every year. And I was running short one year and I came upon this class called um, tax, uh, filling out or completing taxes for the marijuana industry. Okay. Like <laughs> A sexy title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, no way. <laughs> so uh, 
just out of pure curiosity, I took the class and it took a really deep dive. It was a nine hour day, took a deep dive into 280E and the effects of it and, and uh, a little bit of tricks how to minimize that, that tax, I'm going to call it a penalty. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, I think. And, and we're going to get to yeah. that a little bit later about what exactly it is, because it's part of the issue of why it's so difficult to be in this business. Right. Yeah. And so um, after taking that class, I, I was floored because I knew that there were so many people in Vermont wanting to get into the industry. And I really doubted that people understood the full impact of the 280E. And after that, I just took off with it and started studying it um, almost exclusively to, to really understand the foundation of it. And it drove a desire to want to help those who are getting into the industry because I, I firmly believe in it. I, it never should have been illegal to begin with. So. Oh, no, absolutely. So I, I meant to talk to you, but what's, what's section 471? Is that part of the code or is that something? Separate? That's part of the internal revenue code too. And it goes into cost allocation, what you're allowed to allocate and um, specifics. So I think this is the this is like the basis. Can you just explain the foundation of why 280 and 471 are so impactful on how businesses are run in the cannabis industry? You know, maybe a, a comparison to what a, a traditional, a regular, a regular business, just a, a business would be able to deduct and what is so different about the cannabis specifically industry. And then we could talk about hemp later if we want to, if we get to that. Because these are, I mean, these are really, people melt them together, but they're very, they're very different businesses, right? Now they are, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 280E uh, came about due to um, a drug dealer being able to write off a lot of deductions in order to lower his tax bill. Congress wow. didn't like that very much. No. So they came up with this 280E and they said that if you're in the business of dealing illegal drugs, Schedule 1, Schedule 2, illegally, um, you're not allowed to take any business deductions in order to drive at net taxable income. And is it, the irony of this is that people who are selling illegal drugs are even paying taxes. And the idea that you need this in the code is so, <laughs> it's easy. I know. <laughs> and what, what year was this put in? What, what, who decided? It yeah. was, I believe it was in the early 80s. Oh yeah, we had a lot of issues with drugs in the 80s. I don't know what was going yeah. on. Yeah, I know, right. war on right. drugs. Yeah, you know, fry an egg, you know, get in the corner, shivering. I'm, ha I'm happy our people are selling Ill illegal drugs are paying their taxes, but you will not be allowed to deduct business. Who, like, can you imagine that conversation? No. No. <laughs> okay, no. keep going, Sharon, sorry. Well, yeah, it came back because the drug dealer, you know, in order to avoid going to jail for tax evasion, he had to quickly file taxes, so he had these deductions, and Congress was not happy about it at all. <laughs> came up with 280E to penalize people for being in that industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're going to file taxes if it helps you avoid tax evasion present time. Yeah. It's a thing that always gets to drug dealers. It's a tax evasion, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's always the numbers. I used to say this, even, even in divorce law, it was always about the money, follow the money. It's always about the numbers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so so how when... Yeah. They started legalizing marijuana. There was this thing about 280E. They started going after, and I'm sure most people are familiar with CHAMP, uh, which really kind of brought it down to what expenses were allowed. So CHAMP had two different businesses, and the IRS was saying, well, it's all in the marijuana industry, therefore you're not allowed to take any deductions. CHAMP proved that 
it did actually have two separate businesses. And so then it came down to, okay, so for the marijuana industry, what are you allowed to deduct? And that's when it came about that, you know, you're allowed to have a cost of goods sold. It's almost in the constitution in a sort of way, because they call it return capital rather than an expense. Mm-hmm. And so the name of the game has been how to put as much as you can into your cost of goods sold and still be within the law. And that's where section 471 comes in, mm-hmm. which, you know, and, and there's a funky thing that like, you're only allowed to allocate the cost as the law was written when 280E went into effect. And so it's very, it's very I mean, like, again, we talk about the importance of professionalism because these are very specific issues that you could get caught up in without even seeing that it's a problem. And a mm-hmm. professional understands you again, and lawyers do this. We know what the long term effect is. We see the future. So we try to avoid that. And you understand it because you understand this kind of nitty gritty of the tax code that most people would dismiss and not understand this could be jeopardize your entire future. So, you know, these are the, the, the nitty gritty of this is really um, inaccessible to many people. So this is important to talk yeah. about and why it's and, and why it needs to be changed. I think once you understand it, you understand why it needs to be changed. Yeah. And yeah. see, the scary thing, too, is people who are going into it, you know, 280E can cause you to pay about a 70% tax bill if you're not really allocating carefully. So explain how, so explain, I know, again, can you do a, like a comparison of like a typical cost of goods in a business and what uh, what twists and turns cannabis businesses have to go through to make sure that this deductions happen and they're not, and on top of all the other taxes that are being extorted. <laughs> From cannabis industries. So, yeah. <laughs> so an ordinary business would be able to, um, you have your cost of goods sold and really a manufacturing company would allocate their cost of goods sold in a very similar way as the cannabis industry, but it's very time intensive and your manufacturing companies hire cost accountants right. to, to do this. Whereas in the cannabis industry, you're lucky if they even get an accountant on board to help them to just start tracking things. Mm-hmm. And so in a normal business, you could write off your marketing. So like your website, you could write that off. Your attorney, you can write that off. Your, any marketing expense, your, your retail floor space and employees, you write all of that off before coming up with net taxable income. In the cannabis industry, you're not allowed to do that. None of that. You might get away with saying part of your accountant's salary is allocable to cost of goods sold because part of their job is to track your inventory. So you're only allowed anything, any costs related to inventory. So what is specific the plant? What do you actually get to deduct? So you can do your plant and now it depends if okay. you're a tail or a grower. Okay. So say you're a grower. So say you're a grower, what do you actually get to deduct? So grower, you get to deduct quite a bit. Okay. Deduct your entire uh, costs of growing, which includes your facility. It includes your fertilizers, your employees. Oh, it does. Okay. The taxes related, the the employees who are involved in selling that product, then to the retailer, you can't deduct their expenses. Hmm. If that person works part of the time growing the plants and part of the time selling part of their salary needs to be um, not written off and you have to pay additional taxes on it. And 
if you don't have a solid job description outlining what they do and the hours tracked, the IRS can disallow it. That is right. So, I mean, so it's always people power. That's a, like part of, this is a big part of the industry. It's very like labor intensive, human intensive. And if you can't be deducting those expenses, that's an enormous. Right. So, so all uh, that money that these people are spending to sell their product, they're not allowed to, to write that off on their taxes. And it's mark. I mean, mark, we talk about marketing is hard anyways, just even if you could deduct it, it's almost, it's so difficult to market these products anyways, right now in this industry. So, all right. So that's cannabis. Do you do some work in hemp? A little bit. Yeah. Like, what do you think is happening with, is there hemp extraction, and hemp issues that you're dealing with up there or anything that are business issues that are specific? So the market got flooded with hemp. Um, yeah. People just went crazy growing it and we don't have enough um, processors mm -hmm. to handle all of that. And then also we don't have enough testing. So people grew all this testing. Our whole like country is going down because of testing. <laughs> anyone, oh anyone who's in college, go into testing, no matter what it is. We don't seem to have right. enough of it ever. Anyway, right. ever. Seriously. <laughs> American industry people, you can do this. You can become testers. I don't know what it means exactly, but okay. So we don't have testers. But I, yeah, I mean, so this is like it's such a crazy testing. American product that we have so many. There's so many people out of work. I mean, this is the future. Mm -hmm. This is something that can be done here. All right. So testers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. So people are sitting in, on product and throwing it out because there's just nothing. They can't move it. And, and it's a shame because there's so many things that could be done with it. This is like so, uh, oh. beyond the testing and, and trying to get it processed and trying to sell it. So they're allowed to write off all these expenses now since the legalization of hemp. Mm -hmm. so, okay. So, so, but you know, so these growers, they have other farm taxes that really gives them some preferential treatments that they could take advantage of the fuel tax credit, the, the fuel excise tax credit. They're, they're allowed to claim that if, if they have enough, um, there's also, if you give your employees product instead of pay or in addition to pay, right. Mm -hmm. You could like combine their pay as being product and cash. And if they do part of it in product, they don't have to pay employ, employer taxes, like five. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah so are, but you're, are you just in Vermont? Are you just, are you doing this in other states? No, I, I can go nationwide. I'm an yeah. agent, so I'm not limited by PA certifications. Are you seeing different yeah. issues with farmers in different states? I haven't worked with farmers in other states. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Just because no. I we, we had a friend on the show from um, I think it was Michigan. You know, this is a big deal for farmers who have invested time, energy, money, got these licenses, done this work, and then there are just so many variables that just can implode it. And it, I imagine, it's it's scaring people from even stepping into it once they see the disaster that's been sort of imploding around them. And we all know how good this is for the earth. We know how good this is for farmers if we could actually get this going. You know, it's just. It's very frustrating to watch. Don't you find yeah, it frustrating? Well, another issue that they're having in hemp, though, is they, they can't get credit card processing. Oh, yeah. So actually, I had a question it's for you. It's still an issue. Yeah, just all these issues. So I was on, an, I was on, a, um, I was on a conference call, maybe with a women's group, and they were talking about some of these um, different processors or payroll that are actually willing to work with cannabis businesses. I just want to mention some of them, see if you would know. They're cloud-based um, cloud programs, I guess. Gusto, that's a payroll. Have you heard, heard of that? that. Yeah. Is that actually one that would work with a cannabis? Like what's happening with these um, processing payroll? What happens when people sign up and they 
get rejected or they are willing to work with them or what is actually happening with people or businesses? They just cancel the accounts. It's bad. Oh, really? Yeah, they just cancel it out. They get little to no notice. Credit card processors that shut them down, it takes them a while to get their money back. Same thing like QuickBooks. Um, people were getting credit card processing and processing their payroll through QuickBooks and QuickBooks shut it down. They're like, nope. So I heard there's an alternative called XERO. Zero. Oh, is that a good one? Do you think that's something that people should be looking into if they're setting up? I haven't worked with it. I just recently got a client who is using it. It's a mm -hmm. European based mm -hmm. where so they might be a little bit more friendly. I'm I don't I can't say that I know a lot about zero. Yeah. And you said you did. Know, so if you don't use um, what would be the typical payroll you payroll system you'd use if you weren't in cannabis? How would that work? So I, I don't really do much with payroll. Yeah. I help them really with their cost allocations to minimize 280E or with some tax planning in the hemp field. For payroll, you get you just got to kind of call and search around. And babies, I, you, have to be, you have to be up front, I imagine, because if you're not up front, they're just going to shut you down anyways. Yes. Yeah. So, so there are some payroll providers willing to work in the hemp industry, but you have to be really upfront and honest with them about it. And, and that's what I would say, even in banking, like if you're going to try and skate it. Oh, yeah. I've already been through this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, if I was in banking and my banking license was at in jeopardy and this person came in and filled out their application kind of in a shady way even if they were just trying to protect themselves because of cannabis, I would be suspicious too. So yeah, I just, it's a, people are in a tricky position with the illegality of it, but it's, this is going to make money for people. Um, what, have, yeah. what's, what about leaf logic? Have you heard of that? Do you know what that is? Leaf logic. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't worked within it. Yeah. I just, I found these cause I don't really, um, you know, this is like just another level of cannabis business that we don't, um, I mean, unless you're in the nitty gritty, you wouldn't even think about how uh, just, everything's just a, a little bit harder it's just a little bit harder because you can't just kind of do what other people are doing and I, I don't know if these places are charging more fees i know some of the banking issues are huge because the banks are charging so many fees because they have to cover their costs for you know maintaining the record and yeah so, all right so that's yes and the suspicious activity reports that banks have to fill out yeah in the cannabis industry yeah the sars it's a lot it's a lot all right it, uh, it is it's a lot of work on the banks too so that, and that's why they charge so much more and are you saying this so in terms of like other cpas or accounting or are you doing some networking with um, cannabis accountants or do you see what's happening in the future with um, this product and people coming into it well your industry tough to, it's yeah. tough to do the networking a little bit um, yeah such a suspicious um community in a way oh really <laughs> really wants to talk about it it's for some cpas it borderlines on that ethics clause that they have to follow like maine oh, really said, yeah maine has said the cpa association up in maine is like it will be considered a violation of your ethics so yeah <laughs> are you involved with, so are you involved with any advocacy work that's going on up there in terms of are, are cpas gathering up and saying no we want to be part of this or they don't not that I'm aware of. I mean, um, the, the CPAs that I've met that are willing to work within the industry, they're very particular about the clients that they take on. Oh, yeah. The clients have to be on the up and up. They have to be open and honest. And they tend to not file taxes for people who are not working with professional accountants. Yeah. 
I mean, again, the professionalism and the importance of stepping up and, you know, the willingness to kind of take on this um, extra burden. Uh, I mean, like, again, so you're in this industry. What did you see in it that you thought was going to be so um, altering or life altering or just changing the world? I mean, we always talk about how this is really the product that may help us out of this recession. But what do you see in it? Well, I I see the the revenue side of it, if we could get past the the government legislation, you know, how do you grow an economy, right? You need new products constantly. It's a, it's a new industry to bring in new jobs. If you don't have new industry, you're not going to grow. It's like a great industry. It's, it provides so many jobs. And if you look at like this, Colorado's had with it, Mm. I mean, you've got delivery, you've got the growers, you've got the retail. I know. I mean, just like. Testers, we have testers. Testers, <laughs> right, processors. Um, right. And just people being creative with baking, right. dog treats, cat treats. Yep. Oh, yeah. They're ahead of us. They're, yeah, they're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Right. I, I, so, anyway, so that's the accounting part. Let's talk about you being a mom. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> I know fun. That we like to get to the inner workings of our guests. So I know your daughter's yes. older. And um. Uh, we talk about, so my kids are 18 and 21, Amy's are adolescents and, you know, our relationships have all changed with our children, especially mine now that I'm very open about it. And we've been living together in this WeWork space for the past eight weeks. <laughs> WeWork. I love that. That's funny. I, well, I've been like alone. Like I'm like, I've worked on my house alone. My husband goes to work. My kids are in college. I was in this house. Amy showed up once a week. That was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so we have Great. an open bar. We have an open cannabis bar on our porch. It is just like a free for all at this point. So. <laughs> what what is going on? How did you know? What, what was it like with your daughter? And I didn't consume with my children when they were younger. This is all like a new thing for them. Um, so me opening up helped them tell me about their use. So how has it been with your daughter or in the past or now? So um, I didn't let her know that I used until she was over the age of eighteen and out of school, so that I couldn't. I didn't have to worry about her slipping to her teacher saying, "Oh yeah, my mom smokes pot," and then me ending up in jail. I know. I mean, so it was a shame. It was like that weird. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, I find it so, I don't know. I could, again, we're probably similar ages. I could have gotten drunk. Like I could have had a bottle. I could have drank tequila and oh, like yeah. out and passed out with my kids and no one would have cared. But if I lit up nope. a joint, I would have gotten a lot of trouble and it would have really put my kids in kind of a precarious situation if they just sort of mentioned it. So I find that yeah. as, this is like a mission of the, the show to be like, yeah, we got to stop like yeah yeah normalize it yes normalize it my daughter was a teenager though and her friend started smoking it and she was like all upset about it because it was illegal and it was bad and this and that i we had a little discussion that you know just because people are using marijuana it doesn't mean that they're bad people yes they are that's interesting she was coming to you saying oh my god Mm, that's funny that's interesting (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. That's an interesting switch. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I tried to keep an open relationship with her because I, I feel like that's the most important thing you can do with your kids. This way, oh yeah, trouble, they come to you rather than right, trying to right. get in deeper trouble. Mm-hmm. Sure. So we had a little discussion about that, and I didn't want her thinking that people who use marijuana were bad because that would mean she would think I was bad <laughs> at some point. Right. <laughs> so is she? Um, was she surprised? No. No. Okay. <laughs> kind of new, you know. Yeah. Because she smelled it. She, she smelled. Of it course. That's so it's fun. hard yeah. to. Yeah, it's hard to mask that smell. The kids know. Well, yeah. there was, some, there was, there was a thre- new. There was a thread on the um 
one of my women in cannabis about someone was like just asking for a friend how do you hide the smell or how do you consume or like it was like 72 right. answers of like oh, people do very elaborate things <laughs> oh i know with their the kids. burning the oils and candles and yeah people had a lot of suggestions i'm like well i just smoke outside that's how i do it because no one likes the smell my husband doesn't like it brendan doesn't like it so i go in my car i go outside that's yeah. fine. Whatever. We're getting yeah. used to it. And what about, I know you have a mom. So was your mom, um, when she started getting into the cannabis world, what was her reaction? And like, my mom is finally a little bit open to maybe trying a salve, salve, but you know, that's it. So, so my mom knew when, around the age of 17, my mom, when I was 17, my mom knew I, I was smoking it. Because again, you can't hide that smell. You can try, but you can't. And so she kind of knew that, She's like, don't do it in the house. Okay. And then uh, it was later on, just a few years ago, uh, when my stepdad passed, that my mom went into a pretty deep uh, depression. And so the doctors had her on antidepressants, but then they also had her on sleeping pills and they had anti-anxiety medication and all this stuff. And okay, mom, let's stop with the pharmaceuticals and let's go back to something more natural. And so uh, between my brother and I, we convinced her to give cannabis a try. And so now she's a frequent user, but off of a lot of those pharmaceutical medications now. That is, I mean, again, that is such a common story though, that people will, you know, they're, they, they're on that kind of funny path down like a road of a lot of medications. And then they realize it doesn't have to be that way. And it's so impressive when people are able to sort of ship, make that mind shift. It's just, it's hard to change people's minds. It is like, that is just the bottom line that if you, you know, again, it's just hard to change people's minds unless they experience something positive like that. That 80s culture, just say no, really dug in hard. To, for yeah. Well, well, I mean, it no. was like, it wasn't just the words though, it was the actions. I mean, the fact that so many people were put in jail and such, I mean, like drastically actions to make sure that we understood as citizens that this was that dangerous. I mean, that, that's it's like a form of mind control. <laughs> and we are the people living well, yeah. in the anomaly of history. You know, once we get past this idea that, it, you know, I always talk about it. So I always talk about the history and why it's like this and the racism and the whatever, all the stuff behind why we live in this world. But until you have that right. foundation of understanding, it is really hard to shift someone's um, perspective and then to go into the endocannabinoid system. Cause that's always the other thing people always, you know, I still go to meetings where police chiefs are, you know, equating cannabis with opiates, heroin and alcohol. Right. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> so, you know, the, and to explain that there actually is a thing as, such as the endocannabinoid system, you know, it's just, it's like basic information over and over again until people finally start hearing it and experiencing it. And I think it's it, the real things that change is when they have a personal experience like that. So yeah. that's always the truth. Yeah. Okay. So she, that helped her. That's Correct. awesome. It did. All right. Um, so we're going to, Amy, you're going to do a favorite thing today. Sure. I could do a favorite thing. Okay. So we're going to do, um, <laughs> we're going to be back with our account uh, with our friend Sharon Grimes of, uh, accounting for bud after we have the special announcement about what we're going to be doing, um, for the next month. Amy, Amy, it's a special thing. You'll hear it in a minute. Okay. Oh, it's ready? very exciting. And we'll be back on the other side with Amy's favorite things and we'll be uh, finishing up our conversation. We'll be back in a minute. All right. So what we're going to talk about today are the My Jane products. And Amy and I um, each got a box. 
which we are going to be talking about in a minute. But I wanted to say the first thing I noted about the MyJane products, which are really special, these CBD products that are curated by women for women and are supporting women businesses, is the beautiful smell. I mean, when's the last time you got a box and you open it up? It was so fragrant. Oh, <laughs> I know. It, it was a lovely coconutty, vanilla-y, just a lovely scent. I love it. I have it on my hands right now. I have uh, the cocoa canna hemp oil body butter. So and that's one of the products that's in there. Oh, and that's all, one of the products in the box. And oh. there are lots of different, so these are all, there are different products that are curated by my Jane. They had, um, right. so you were, you, you had the girlfriend box. So it's kind of curated I, yeah, towards like, um, like if you have like a friend, you want to give something to a friend or like a wedding gift. Yeah. Something like oh, that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Birthday gift, just a thank you gift. Mm-hmm. Anyone that's interested in CBD and, you know, doesn't know what product to get. This is absolutely Perfect. So what kind of things are in there? Like how many things do you think? Maybe six things? No, there's like 11 or 12 items in there. And there's also this gorgeous piece of jewelry. So I guess each box gets a different piece of jewelry and it's called uh, Purpose. And Purpose, so every time you buy a box and you get the jewelry and the proceeds, go to this organization that helps women, uh, girls uh, that were trafficked. Yeah, sad. Yeah. It's so sad. And they make the jewelry. And I just feel like this is such a great way of like helping, you know, and, you get to shop and and, and, it, and within and in the package, actually, I think there's a, a little note that says the girl or some connection to the actual girl who you're made the, yes. piece of the jewelry. So it's, it's, it's a nice connection. So it's a, it's a high end box. Lovely. The box is very solid. My friend oh who was just on said you could probably use the box as a stash box afterwards, if that's your thing. I think it's a, it's a perfect <laughs> stash, stash box. It's absolutely perfect. And we're talking about this a lot. So why don't you yes, go yes. To, in our notes. We, you can go to the MyJane um, mm-hmm. link in our notes or um, yep. check out their website. And if it's something that you're interested in, you can get a full box. You can get it for yourself. You can get it for a friend. You can get a product within it. So let us yep. know what you think because the Canon Mom Show, we like these products and we want to share them with you. Hey, we're back. Um, we're here with our guest, Sharon Grimes of Accounting for Bud. We're going to be finishing up, um, talk about credit card processing and any words of wisdom she has for the future. But first, Amy's going to talk a little bit about her favorite things this week. Um, yeah. We have, um, we don't get to go shopping, but we still get to go online. So what's going on with you, Amy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so I've been following this company. They're from Portland, Oregon. It's called Stoned Wear. Uh, Stonedware Company, and they make gorgeous pipes. They're uh, porcelain and they're glazed, and all these fun colors. Love like that, that teal green and that pink and yellow. And they have matching trays and beautiful pokers, and you know, reasonably priced. I mean, it looks like you know, Edie Parker has a line of these colors, like these pop colors, but it's like twelve hundred dollars. Like these are like eighty dollars. You know, more reasonable. Like you could actually have access to it. And when you break it, you wouldn't have, feel so um, bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some have um, <laughs> some are uh, some are etched with a uh, twenty-four karat gold. I mean, you have to look. You have to go to the website. It's just what's the, what's the name? Stuff. What's the name again? Uh, stonedwarecompany.com. I get a lot of like ads now. So I just, I'm, so, I'm impressed with the colors and the things. And we are always breaking things here now that we're open smoking house. So. Oh my God. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can't get too attached I know, to I, anything. I, and anything, Amy and I, cause it's, you know. And Amy and I do talk about the importance of cleanliness. So, you know, you wouldn't eat off a dirty plate. So I'm always cleaning everything in my house because <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff. And I have to admit, I broke my son's bong yesterday cleaning it. No, <laughs> you didn't. Oh, 
What happened? You have so many bongs. I hit the side. I was like, I was in the sink and I was hit. I hit the side of the sink and I was like, I have like a brush cleaner. Like, (laughs) I'm like a housewife. I'm like, the bong has to be cleaned. That's disgusting. (laughs) No one likes a dirty bong. And it's hard to find. It's hard to find alcohol to clean it. Whatever. This is like the pandemic has changed everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you found that, Sharon? I don't know. (laughs) No alcohol. No. It's like weird. Yeah, so I, I just pretty much have a stainless steel bowl that I'm okay with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Keep, and it cleans it. very easily. I could just put it yeah. in water with soap. Yeah. Nice. That's but super yeah. easy. Yes. It was worth the buy. I loved it. I got it at a one of the cannabis conferences. And- I didn't understand until I got into this world, how people broke things so often, but those, the little bowls, everything breaks all the time. I mean, maybe people don't, know. maybe people don't clean their stuff. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm too aggressive. I don't no, know. no, no. <laughs> I drop it. I, I, it's on my lap. I stand up and there it goes on the, you know, on the floor all the time. Right, I haven't done that yet. Okay. So don't, don't use boiling <laughs> oh, water. Though, yeah. It it's, it's, yeah. My son told me that yesterday it expands it and it can crack it, especially if it goes from hot to cold yeah. right away. Yeah. So these are tips, people, if you're going to be cleaning your bong, your glass bong. Um, so uh, one more time, the name of the company again, name? Oh, yeah. Stonedware Company. All right. Look them up. They have and beautiful stuff. Just gorgeous, modern, functional pipes and trays and bowls and matching. And it, the poker. I never really understood the importance of the poker now, but now I don't know how you live without <gasps> oh it. Oh, my God. I know. I, <laughs> I have a poker. I have a poker set on my keychain. So there you go. I always have one. I've, I've just I've learned a lot in the past couple of years. It's been amazing. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh much, so much. All right, so let's get back to like the money part of cannabis. All right. So um, credit card processing. We talked about a little bit about this. Like, what do you? How is this going to get fixed? How are we going <laughs> to? Do you see any hope in the future? In terms of like, I mean, it's. I find it interesting here because in Massachusetts, we talk about this. You know, the dispensary rules for getting in were so strict. And the cash mm. only, and you have to go through three layers of security, and you got to keep flashing your stuff. Yeah. And now, you order it online, you pay online, they throw it in your window, you drive away. Uh, yeah. It's like I know. Right. I mean, Crazy. it can't go back, right? Yeah. So, I, are you seeing any kind of like radical changes now that um, in the pandemic with processing at all? Is anything happening? No, I'm not really seeing no. radical mm-hmm. changes. I have, I am in touch with some of the credit card processing companies. Um, helping people get the, the processing and they're now reaching out to me like, do you have any clients who need, any, need anything? I'm like, not at the moment. Nobody's really making any moves. Yeah. I still see in THC that it's pretty much debit card only. Mm-hmm. Right. right. If you're going to, if you can even use a card at right. all. Right. What's going to, what's going to need to happen is a change in the banking laws. I mean, um, way back when the coal memo was issued, they started, doing more with the banking, the banking started loosening up. And then of course, Sessions, Jeff Sessions rescinded the coal memo. Mm. And so then the bank started tightening back up again. So it, it, it's really up to Congress yeah. at this to, to do something for the banking industries <sighs> to get them out of that, that risk category so that they're willing to bank these industries, you right. know, and one of the credit card processors that I talk to I was like well what makes it you know even hemp like why is it considered high risk is like they do they and they right. categorize it like with sex toys and um online car loans it's no regular it's, it's it's more regular than plutonium I think we talked about that last week that's crazy 
that's yeah. I, I thought that was nuts too. And I was like, that is nuts. And yeah. when you're getting credit card processing, the information that you need to have on your website and the te- you have to have the testing certificates and mm. there's a lot of information that you need to turn over to the credit card processors. And some people are really, they get frustrated by it and they're like, forget it. I'll just lie and go through square. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, all right, so we just got to keep pushing this issue because yes. this is one of those businesses that is, could really help America, seriously help yeah. America. And yes. that we used to be, our jam used to be, we made money. That was our thing in America. We liked making money. We used to be good at it. <laughs> this is one of those things. Stop making it so hard. So, yes. Right, it would be that Maybe new industry wait. that we need to start, start expanding again. Yep. Or even like, I t- you know, like even like in Western Massachusetts, you know, that was an area that was pretty decimated. I um, have a background in affordable housing development, working with low income communities. And that was a pretty, you know, the Western Massachusetts was having a lot of hard times and a town like um, Holyoke, you know, is bringing back communities by revitalizing old mills and bringing in hemp, pro- I mean, cannabis production. And, but you have to have, um, in terms of your political uh, leaders, you need to have some sort of modernity. You know, there needs to be some accessibility and they have a very young mayor out there and he just treats it like a business. So, you know, politics is getting in the way of this. I, I see that. <laughs> politics time. gets in the way of everything. What are you talking about? I, know. I don't even understand politics. I'm political and I don't even understand what they say politics. Is it just like opinion? Is it like opinions get in the way of everything? I don't understand what they're talking about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's all right. unfortunately Vermont has a governor who is against legalizing sales. And- uh, I know. So I mean here because cannabis is legal. I know. You can't buy it or sell it. It's ridiculous. All right. And I, I, I know I think women leaders just have to step up. I think just the, the men are done. They did a bad job. We're done with them. And I know a lot of women leaders now in politics, especially who can recognize the importance of this. They are going into politics with very, very different um, core values. And mm-hmm. I believe that's true. And they could transform, you know, politics is tricky. And these people who are in power now who are just staying there for the power. Yeah. If you don't believe in government, don't be in it, people. That is my I policy. <laughs> if you don't think it should exist, don't be part of exactly. it. We don't exactly. <laughs> exactly. Move on. Yeah, but I think it's about power. I think you nailed power. it. Because, yeah. Um, politicians, it's not exactly as if though they're paid very well. It's about right. power. Yeah. Right. Egos. I guess it's addictive, right? Once you have it, it's hard to relinquish it. And I and I have heard that you know the you actually lose empathy. You know, at the more power you gain, the more isolated. I mean, psychologically, the isolated you are, the less empathy you actually have. It's sort of a fulfill, self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, you can see look, it. You can see it in our leaders. You can see these men. Look who's on top. We have a cult leader. I mean, but, but you can see zero, the men. You know, I mean, zero they, empathy. To get into politics, you have to have some kind of connection with human beings. That's the only way you're going to get into office. You literally, you have to talk to human beings. But once right. you're in that position of power, if you've literally forgotten who the human beings are, yeah, I just I find it scary. You're preaching to the choir. I know. All right, Sharon. I mean, you know. All we can do is talk about pot and <laughs> politics on this show. All right, Sharon. <laughs> right. I need, I need to smoke a joint after that. <laughs> I know. This is a morning show. We usually do it later in the day. Okay. Sharon, any words or wisdoms you want to leave our um, listeners with? People, you know, if they want to connect with you, what kind of businesses are you working with? Anything like that that you want to um, get out there in the world? Yeah, so I'm working with businesses to are really interested in being seriously legit about it. Um, I always recommend 
you talk to an attorney when you start, you should also talk to an accountant because there are tax consequences that an accountant can talk to you about, right. uh, especially in THC. What's the difference between an S corp or a C corp? There's a big difference. They're both corporations, but the tax effect is, is enormous. Um, and yeah, I, I want to help them minimize that, that tax burden that they're facing. And, the, and just in terms of like cost, what do you think, you know, in terms of someone building this into their business? You know, I know different size businesses have different issues, but what size businesses are you working for? Do you try to keep your cost, you know, reasonable to, you know, like make sure people are be able to afford you and getting really good um, information as well? You know, does, does, does that, you know, time is money valuable. You have to like figure out how to value your time, but you don't want to price yourself out and not be accessible to people. It's hard. Right. I mean, with a lawyer, that was hard. So I know this must be hard in accounting too. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. I try not to do an hourly billing. I try to do just a monthly billing. Okay. And um, and work with them on from all phases of it, looking at the revenue, looking at their expenses, and and talk to them about their growth process as well. So uh, the size, it. I want somebody that already has a bookkeeper working with them. Mm-hmm that I can work with directly with the bookkeeper in, in helping them minimize and, and strategize for their taxes and, and also to strategize for growth. A lot of people don't think to look at their revenue side, like where they can grow. I mean, you can only decrease expenses so much in order to make money. At the end of the day, you gotta grow your revenue. Revenue, it's always about money, 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 money. Okay, <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you, Sharon, for calling in this morning. I hope it's beautiful up there in Vermont. Today, I think it's actually sunny out here. It's sunny it's not, here. It's, it's not snowing. Out, so it's May and it's outside. not snowing. <laughs> I'm getting outside. outside. It's beautiful today. I can't wait. All right. This is great. All right. So thank you for my guest, Sharon Grimes of Accounting for Buds. Um, Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Amy. We'll have all our information in our show notes. I want to thank my Canada sister, Amy Searles. Good seeing you. Yeah, nice seeing you too. This week. Um, I want to thank Josh Lampkin for writing and performing the Canada Mom theme music. Our business team, (laughs) Kelly Dolan of Retail Results and Laurie Lennon of Think You Better Media our attorney, Kim Kramer of McLean Middleton, and of course, our newest partner, the Cannabis Creative Group. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. And I'm Amy Searles. Thanks for listening. And please follow us on Spotify, on Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, we're at thecannamomshow.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Cannamom Show. We're everywhere. And I'm Joyce Gerber. This is The Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.